All right. Well, let's jump into today's message. Um, we're in a series walking through Psalms 23. Uh, Psalms 23 is an incredible psalm. It is, uh, you know, some would say it's one of the most beautiful poetry that's out there. And uh, I think it's more than just poetry. It's more than just a song. It's a prayer. What I love about Psalm 23 is really it's written from, for a season of anxiety unknown. So when David is writing Psalm 23, most likely the historians believe that he was later in his life after his son uh, was trying to overtake the kingdom. And so he's escaped, tried running for his life. He's in a, in a season of unknown and really an anxiety, a season of anxiety. He writes this psalm, right? And so we can learn from David in our season of, you know, when COVID first started, a lot of us were unknown. We didn't know what it was. And it seems like now five, six months in, people are still like, I don't know what's going on, right? It's still unknown. There's still some. And for some anxiety, others is just like, all right, I'm done. Let's move on to the next thing, you know, whatever. And it's just kind of, there's, there's this unknown season. And so this is a great psalm to walk through during things like this. Uh, so whatever, whenever we face something challenging, here's a great psalm just to go to, reflect on, pray through. And hopefully last week I challenged you guys to pray through that. You guys have done that. I think it, it helps us to um, reorder our lives when we can pause enough to say, God, what do you want to say in this moment to me, right? And then really I think the reason Psalm 23 we're doing this series is to help us have strength in the middle of struggle, to be able to give us some strength in the middle of challenges, in the middle of struggles. Here's some strength for us. So as you go through this psalm, it's, it's challenging us. In fact, in fact, last week we talked about the third verse okay, where he says he guides us on paths of righteousness for his namesake. And we said that our lives go in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So if you have strong thoughts that are going in an unhealthy direction, your life is going to go in that direction. So our lives, they, they follow like a stream, the strongest thought patterns that we have. So we said if we're going to have right living, it has to start with right thinking. And that was last week's message. And so today we're going to jump into the next part of the psalm. But I'd love for you guys to read it with me, all right? Online, you can read it with us. Those in the group central, read with me. Um, I'll go slow enough so we can read together. Ready? Let's do it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So Psalm 23, right? David is walking through this. You know, we that scripture, um, the the different authors, different prophets compare us to sheep and God to the shepherd. And this is what David is doing, right? He's comparing himself as a sheep to the shepherd who's watching over him. David would have a lot of experience as a shepherd because this was his job at growing up as a kid, right? He was in, in charge of the sheep. And so he walked and he, he, he led these sheep and he understood that process. And so he's writing about God's character as a good shepherd. He's saying, let me, let me show you who God is. And so through Psalm 23, we find that not only is he giving us encouragement and strength, He's also telling us about God's character and nature, right? So almost every verse has one or two references to who God is. For example, uh, the first one is the Lord is my shepherd, right? So there's these names in the Old Testament of God. There's these major um, Hebrew names that they gave God to explain his character. So one of them was God our shepherd. Another one, Jehovah uh, Jireh, was God our provider. Another one is God our peace, God our healer. And then last we talk about God our righteousness. Today, we're going to talk about my favorite name in the Old Testament for God. And I'll get there in a second, right? But this is the, what, what the next verse says, right? Psalms 23 says, 
uh, the verse 3 says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, right? Even when I walk. Uh, this idea, he's actually saying, it's not like, it, it, it's not a matter if I walk, it's when I walk. When I find myself in a dark valley, when I find myself in a place that is hard and difficult, right? Even when I'm there, even, even then. And what's, what's inc- inc- encouraging through scriptures, we see the prophets, they have very similar statements, right? When, when, I'm str- when they're struggling, they say, yeah, I will hope in the Lord. Yeah, even though I'm going through some difficult, yeah, I'm going to trust in God. And that's what David is telling us. He's saying, even though I walk through the darkest valley. What's interesting about the dark valley is darkness is always an indicator of something else. Right, So like the old King James says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Shadow of death is another phrase they use to explain what he's talking about. It's like this idea that we're almost maybe even death could be, be close to us. right? And, and it's, it's, a, it's a shadow. Well, you can only have a shadow if you have what? Light. right? There's no light. There's no shadows. So when we face something difficult, it's actually an indication of something that's present also. And that's light. So David is saying, even in the darkest valley, there's light. It's, it's God. And, and what's interesting about this verse is it's the verse 4 of, 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 Psalm, of Psalm 23. It's the central verse, right? And what happens is there's a, is a change in the whole, not the structure, but, but the way he begins to talk. So the pronoun up to this point was the Lord is, he is, right? And then all of a sudden now it's you are. And it changes from him and he and the to you. So what is he saying? He's, he's almost like he's talking to himself, talking to God, saying, even when I find myself in a dark valley, which in this moment he probably was, Right? His son is trying to kill him. He just lost his kingdom. He's, he's running for his life. He's experienced that before. It's not the first time he's ever had to face something difficult. But he's saying, even when I'm in this dark valley, I will not be afraid. Why? You are close beside me. You're with me. God, you're with me. And he talks directly to God. So this whole psalm, he's really saying God is a personal God. God is a, is a close God. He's with us. Right? And, and, it, and it, it shifts saying he's our shepherd, but he's also close to us. He's also our friend. He's not behind me. He's not way out in front of me. I can't even see him. He's right there next to me. And he goes on and says, your rod and your staff will protect and comfort me. And so he's noticing these different attributes of God as the shepherd. He's saying he's with me. And so for the names of God, uh, Jehovah Shammah is, is my favorite Old Testament name for God. And it means this, that God is present. God is there. The name actually means God is there. So Ezekiel, the prophet, he's writing to, he's writing to encourage the people of Israel. He's talking about the future. He's giving some prophetic insight into what's going to take place in the future. He, at the end of his, the, the, the book of Ezekiel, he's writing about heaven. And he calls it the city. And the last phrase in the whole book of Ezekiel is this. God is there. And he says, in this city, it'll be like this. In this city, in this city, in this city. Time of heaven. And he says, God is there. And that is one of the names for God in the Old Testament is God is there. He, he, it's, it's the fact that he's present. So tomorrow, you know where God is? God is there. Yesterday, you know where God was? He was, he was there. In, in a year, do you know where God is? He's there. He's, he's, he's present. He's, he's with us whatever we face. See, we're limited to time and space, right? So in the middle of a difficulty, middle of COVID, we can't really see the end. Like nobody can predict how many more months, how many more things are going to come. And in the future, is other things like this going to take place? Who knows, right? We can't, we can't see the, from the middle, we can't see the end. But you know who can? God can. He's not limited by time and space. So he knows what's coming. This is why when we trust him as a good shepherd, he knows hey, that path. You think it looks so good and so it's so tempting? Don't do it. Because in a year, that path is going to lead you to the worst place of your life. This path, yes, it looks very hard and difficult. But if you take it, I promise it's going to be the best year of your life. Why? Because he can see where things are leading. And he guides us. Why David says, your rod and staff comfort me, right? Why? Because the staff is, hey, 
He's trying to hurt some sheep. He's like, hey, you over there, hey, you're going astray. Come back, right? It's a little tap and nudge and telling us, hey, don't, don't miss it. Like, don't, don't get, go astray. Keep, keep following, keep following. So God is there. Throughout scripture, scripture over and over, the leaders and different moments where, where people were in, in situations that are difficult, God would always remind them, I'm with you. In fact, Deuteronomy, look what, God, what, what, um, what Moses said. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So the leaders, the Old Testament were encouraging people of Israel, encouraging people that have fallen God. Like, don't get discouraged. God is with you, right? He's with you. He's with us. He's present. He's a God that's not distant. He's not a God that's just far off. He's not a God that doesn't care. He's a God that wants to be present in our lives if we'll allow him to be there. So when David is saying, even though I walk through a dark valley, even though I go through something difficult, God is with me. In fact, it's like this. The safest place for anybody is not always the comfortable place. It's, not, it's, it's the place that God leads you. The, the safest place for your life is not going to be the most comfortable all the time. Sometimes it's going to be the uncomfortable spot. You know, for, for um, somebody who is in, maybe, maybe it could be in the, the most dangerous neighborhood in the world, but if God has you there, it's the safest place you could be. You could be in the most safest neighborhood in the world, and if it's outside of what God has for you, it could be the most dangerous place for you. Why? Because it's not the circumstances, it's not what's going on in that moment. It's where God is leading us, who's with you. And when we leave God and we go on our own, yes, there will be wolves and there will be animals that attack. But when we say, God, I'm going to trust you, all of a sudden now we have this place where we have peace because we're in the place God has us. Uh, when, um, in 1998, I graduated from high school, and I had an opportunity to go to South America and work as a missionary for almost a year. And uh, up to this point, I had traveled with, with teams and, and leaders and different groups of people going around the, the world to do mission trips. And, uh, but it was my turn to go by myself. And so a little after I graduated from high school, I got on a plane and flew to, uh, to a third world country and, and began to live there and, and serve as a missionary. And I remember, that, remember leaving my, my family, leaving everything that was comfortable, leaving everything I knew to go into the unknown. It was a little nerve-wracking, right? So I, I landed in this plane in Brazil, and they make me get out of the plane. I'm like, hey, nobody told me that's... And this is the first time I ever had to get out of a plane. I never had to get out of a plane. Usually, you know, when you fly in the States, you go in these little little hallways, right? And so, what's that? Corridors, that's the word, yeah. So you walk through those, and it's, it's like really safe. And so I land in the middle of Brazil. I don't even know what city it was, and everything's in Portuguese. I can't read Portuguese. I can't speak Portuguese. And, and so I land, and people start leaving the plane, and I'm like, what do I do? And I just start following people. I'm thinking, like, I sure hope they know where they're going. We walk around this building. I'm thinking, like, man, if I miss my flight, I'm going to be stuck in Brazil, right? I'm 18 years old. I never done this for myself, and I make it through. Here's what, here's what, what happened, though, that year. I learned I grew so much because I was willing to put myself in an situa- uncomfortable situation. I had friends who were taking a break for a while. They weren't going to go to school. They were going to live it up and just have fun. Some were going to college. They were ready to have that experience, and it was comfortable. I put myself in a very uncomfortable situation, but I grew so, so much. And when I, when I think about the valley of the shadow of death, when I think about difficult situations, when I think about things that we're going through, even like this, there's something we can learn. You know, when it first started, uh, you'd hear everybody saying that we're living in unprecedented times, right? Unprecedented. This is so unprecedented. Well, that word is supposed to create something in you. You know what it is? A negative emotion, a fearful emotion, because what they're saying is you don't have no idea what's going to happen. You should be really afraid. Don't turn your, your channel. Don't turn your station because I'm going to continue to give you things that are going to make you fearful the rest of your life, right? So you keep watching so I can make money, right? That's the whole point of what they're doing. And so when we look at history, what we're going through is not unprecedented. It's, it's happened before throughout history. In the Bible, there's been similar things. They're in history, so 
Um, one of the things I love to do is I love to learn from what other leaders and what other people have experienced in the history of our world that would give us some insight into what we're going through now. See, we tend to ignore those things, and you know what happens when you ignore the history. You repeat it, and you find yourself in worse situations. But if we'll study and learn, it can help us. There's a, a pastor, a very, very well-known pastor. His name is Charles Spurgeon. Right? A lot of people, they, they learn a lot from him, and they call him the prince of preachers because he was such a good communicator that people study his, just how he communicated. He was so good. Well, when he was 20 years old, he became a pastor, and he was very young. In, in um, 1854, there was a cholera outbreak in London, right? And this outbreak that took place, uh, it, it took the lives of 23,000 people pretty quickly. So in a short period of time, 23,000 people died. We have a lot about science now. We know how things kind of work, you know, more than they did. So you can imagine in that city, they were freaking out, right? They didn't know what was going on. People were dying. They didn't know what was going to take place. Here's this young pastor, 20 years old. He's pastoring a church, trying to care for his people. He um, said at one point he was, he was burying someone in his church every single day. So it was pretty hard, right? That would be a hard situation to be in. People you know, people you love are dying. People in, you, in, the, in your congregation, in your family, you're, you're, you're burying them. They're, they're, they're dead. They're gone. And in this process, he actually uh, – there's a story that takes place where um, – this is what he says. Let me, just, let me tell you how overwhelmed he was. He says this. He says, I became weary in body and sick at heart. My friends seemed to, to be seemed falling one by one, and I felt or fancied that I was sickening like those around me. I've actually met some people um, that haven't got COVID, but, but they've developed some of the same symptoms. And they, they, they felt like they had it, but they didn't have it. They test negative, but they could almost, like, I'm so certain they had it. That's kind of what he was saying, is I didn't have, the, I didn't have what was going on, but I was so overwhelmed that I felt like I had it. He made himself sick. And he said, I had friends dying, right? He said this, a little more work and weeping would have laid me low among the rest. I felt that my burden was heavier than I could bear, and I was ready to sink under it. Charles Spurgeon, he's doing these, these funerals. He's doing these services. He's trying to serve people and love people. And he's so overwhelmed because of what's going on, it felt like he was next. So you can feel like this, maybe emotionally and, and uh, mentally, he's kind of low. And he's maybe a little sad and depressed at this moment. And it says that after a funeral, he was walking home, and he came upon uh, this, this uh, he was walking through, and he saw this advertisement on this window from a shoemaker. And usually you see, he says, it, you know, he, he wasn't advertising, it was something different. It was a piece of paper. And he says, he walked up to it, and he read it. And on the paper, it was Psalms 91, 9, 9 through 10. And this is what the, the paper said. It said, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge most high, thy habitation, that's the King James, that's probably what he read. He said, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you and no plague will come near your home. And this is what he said about that moment. So he's overwhelmed. He's kind of struggling. He reads a verse from the Bible and he says, the effect upon my heart was immediate. Bam. Something happened inside of him. Immediate. He read a verse and immediate something changed. He was overwhelmed and all of a sudden, something. he says, faith appropriated the passage as her own. So essentially, it like... The, 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 the scripture is being a talk to me and say, this is true. Like, Charles, don't miss this. Don't miss this moment because this is for you. And all of a sudden, something changed. He said, I felt secure, refreshed, girt with immortality. He's like, he's like, all of a sudden, there's like adrenaline shot within him in his soul. And he had this strength saying, man, life is more than what I'm just facing right now. And instead, he went on and said, I went on with my visitation of the dying in a calm and peaceful spirit. I felt no fear of evil, and I suffered no harm. One passage, one verse 
changed how he was feeling in that moment. Why? Because the good shepherd knows how to tell us, hey, when you're in the middle of something, I have something else for you. Don't, don't, don't get discouraged. Don't quit. Keep moving. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God. And really that's what, the, what the, um, David is saying through Psalm 23 is he's a good shepherd. He's going to lead us even through difficult seasons. Because when you're a shepherd taking sheep, different seasons of the year, you're going to have maybe some really lush grass here, but eventually it's going to die or they're going to eat it all and you have to go somewhere else. And from one pasture to the next, you might actually have to go through something that's not so nice, like a valley, right? Through some rocks. But the, the shepherd knows to get to the next thing, you have to go through something sometimes. You have to trust him on this journey. That's what David is saying. Even when I walk through a dark place, even when I walk through a dark valley, you're with me. I'm going to have comfort. I'm going to have security because you're with me in this season. Uh, Proverbs says it like this. If you'll trust in the Lord with all your heart and not just depend on your own understanding, right? If you'll seek his will in all that you do, he'll show you which path to take. So in this dark valley, in the COVID season, if you'll not just wait for your own understanding, but you'll trust God, he can actually give you a peace that, that sometimes you don't even understand. It's beyond what we can even comprehend. He's saying he'll show you which path to take. I don't know. How you're like me? I want, I want to know what God's path for me he has. But it takes me to say, God, I'm going to listen. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to, I'm going to allow you to, to lead me. It's about trust. And then our, our part is obedience, right? That we say, all right, I'm listening. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to act the way you want me to act. I'm going to, I'm going to follow the direction you want me to go. And he invites us in this. You know, I, we can say it like this. Hardship, it can lead us to growth and maturity. There's potential in every difficult thing that we face, right? When we face something difficult, there's potential for harm for us or there's potential for strength and good for us. A lot of times the choice is us and how we approach it, what we do with the season that we're in. Uh, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, he knew a lot about hardship. He faced a lot of difficult things. And notice, look what he says, right? And this is the message paraphrase. I love, I love this verse. He tells us not to be anxious, right, about anything but pray. The message of paraphrase says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let your petitions, right, and your praises shape your worries into prayers. So, like, as you pray, let those worries be shaped in actual prayers that you're taking to God. Letting God know your concerns. Like, give it to God. That's a, it's human nature to have some concerns. We say, don't, don't let this worry become the focus. Let it go to God. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle down. And he ends like this, saying, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. If you have worry in the center of your life that's overwhelming and overtaking you, he's saying if you'll put Christ in the center, you'll begin to seek him, it'll push out the worry. And all of a sudden now Christ is the center, and worry has to leave, right? Because you can't, you can't have both. You can't have God and fear stay. It's, it's one or the other, and you say, God, I choose you. I choose your faith. I choose your trust. Uh, Paul tells us in Romans, he says like this. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. Paul's saying, hey guys, just, just so you know, FYI, when you face something difficult, it's actually a good thing. You should rejoice. You should be um, looking forward to what's going to happen because those hardships, they develop endurance. And endurance, it develops strength of character. You want to become a better person? You have to go through something difficult. They say in that character, it strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not ever lead to disappointment. So he's saying when you go through a dark season, when you're going through something hard, if you'll learn and grow from it, if you'll use it, it'll develop your character. That character will develop hope. And what does hope do, right? Hope gives us um, strength to keep moving on. Hope says there's something more down the road. It doesn't end here. Unprecedented 
tune in. You should be fearful. Hope is taken out. There's not hope. They want you to be stuck. In fact, you know, one of the strategies the enemy uses to get us to, to, to doubt God and to question God is he says, if God was so good, why would you have to go through something difficult? If God was such a good God, why do you ha- are you struggling? Why don't you have enough money? Why, don't, why are you sick? Why are you whatever? If, if God was so good, you wouldn't have to do this. And if that was the, the, the whole story, I think he would have some merit. And that, that might be true. God is not good if that's, your whole, that, that's all there is. But God knows that there's something else. It doesn't stop there, right? There's more to the story. COVID is not the end of the story. A dark valley is not the end of a story. There's more to it. And if we trust the shepherd, it's not just more to that there's, there's something ahead. There's something in that also. See, too many of us, we want to get out of things. Like, God, get me out of this. Get me out of this situation. And a lot of times saying, God is saying, I want you to get something out of this. That's more important than you getting out of it. Because what happens if you go through a, val- a, a shadow, a, a dark valley, and you don't let God teach you, you're going to go to another valley that's probably the same or sometimes worse. Because when you don't learn from the lesson the first time, they only get harder and more expensive. So God is saying, let me lead you on this journey. Let me, let me help you to know how to, how to move forward. And this hope, when you develop that, it encourages us. It's like Charles Spurgeon, right? What does this story do to us? I know it does to me. It gives me hope. He got through it. He was encouraged. We can get through it. I can be encouraged. He served people during a very dark season in a dark valley, and he made it through, and he went on to do incredible things. Uh, what's interesting about Charles Spurgeon, he said, you know, up to this point, there was a lot of people in his city that didn't want anything to hear. They didn't want to hear anything he had to say. And all of a sudden now, there's an outbreak. And what happened to their, their ears and their hearts? It was like, hey, you know, uh, what do you have to say to me about my future, about my eternity, and about life? Like all of a sudden, their hearts were actually open. And we would say, that's a horrible time. Yes, there are there's things that take place, but hearts begin to open in those seasons also. If we're willing to say, God, what do you want to speak? He speaks. You know, there's a, a famous prayer. It's called the Serenity Prayer. Uh, it's written by Reinhold Niebuhr, and, and he... Uh, it's famous in AA, right? So AA uses this prayer. You, you might have heard it. This is the prayer. It says this. It says, God grant, me this, God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can, and then the wisdom to know the difference. It's a pretty incredible prayer. But you know what? There's more to this prayer than you've probably ever heard before. Um, I'm going to share that in a second. But this, is, this in itself, is, it's a good prayer, right? I, I, I think it's amazing. Uh, the other verses say, God, grant me the grace. Right? Serenity just ha- means like this peace, this calm. So he's saying, God, help me to have peace and calm in the middle of the valley, in the middle of the shadow of death. Help me to have some calm, some serenity, right? And he's saying ex- to, to be able to accept those things I, can, I can't, cannot change and the courage to change things I can. In COVID season, there's a lot of things we can't change, but you know what? There's a lot of things we can. And a lot of times we want to focus on the things we can't change we want to be angry at the people that are making us, you know, whatever, whatever reason, whatever thing's going on. We want to blame others, right? It becomes red against blue. It becomes against color against color, right? All these different reasons to be able to blame people. We can't change a lot of those things. But you know what we can change? What we do on a daily basis, what we do in an hour, what we do with the next moment with our life, what habits we start, what habits we stop. See, too many people use these dark valleys and difficulties to do dumb things and harmful things, things, and they blame God for it. Where we have the choice to say, help me to make wise choices. Help me make wise decisions. Give me wisdom to know the difference between what I can change and what I can't. And what's great is when you pray this prayer, James actually says, if any of you lack wisdom, if you pray and ask for God, he will give you wisdom when you need it. So let me tell you the rest of the prayer, right? So you are saying, God, give me the courage to change things, right? 
The next one says this, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Wait, wait, hardship as a pathway to peace? Yes, that's what Paul said. If you, God, if you go through hardship, it'll, it'll develop endurance, and endurance will develop character. Character will give you hope, right? Another form of peace. And he's saying this difficulty actually can be a path to peace if you allow it. He's saying learn to, to live in the moment, right? Taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. So I can't control the world, and I can't force the world. And this is sometimes part of politics is, we want everybody else to do everything we want, but we don't want to do it ourselves. There's an issue. We have to do it ourselves before we want others to do things, right? So he's saying, I'm not going to just try to um, get mad at the world for the way it is. I'm going to say, what is my part and what can I do to fix what I can fix? And he goes on and says this, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy. That's a great word, reasonably happy. In this life, because of the broken nature of our world, Reasonably happy is really the best you're going to get on this kind of planet until God fixes it all, right? So he's saying that I'm reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy in the next, with you forever in the next. So what is he saying? I'm aware that where I'm in is temporary. It's not forever. There's more to the story. I'm going to be reasonably happy now, try our best, do the best we can, but I'm going to be supremely happy with you in the next if I, if I trust you, if I, if I lead you. And this, I believe, where David is trying to take us in Psalm 23. He's saying, in the middle of this, when you go through something difficult, just keep going, right? He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Key word. Even though I walk through, right? Everybody say through. Say it like you mean it. Through. Am I saying that right? Through. It's like different ways you could say it, right? Through. It's a key word because when we go through a dark valley, you're supposed to go through the dark valley. COVID season, I've met a lot of people who are in a dark valley, and they're just stuck there. Through is a process. Going through this is a process. And God is saying, don't stop. Keep moving. You find yourself in a difficult situation, keep moving. It's like Winston Churchill's famous quote, right? You find yourself in hell, right? Don't stop. Don't set up camp there. Don't, don't you know, start making a mill. Don't stop. If, you find, if you're going through hell, don't stop is what he says. And essentially, we're walking through something. This life is a process. In our life, we're going to go through some challenges. We're going to go through some really nice experiences, mountaintop experiences, and some really lows at times. Just keep going through. Don't stop. It's a process. We grow day by day, moment by moment. And those who have wisdom, notice this, they know the difference between saying, what can I do now and what can I do then? What am I supposed to be focused on now? What am I supposed to be focusing on there, then? Because what happens is, if we're not careful, through, we get stuck in, and then in just gives us permission to make really dumb decisions, right? So when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, psychologists tell us there's a little different options we take. Some, we try to cope with the pain and the difficulty and the struggle, so we medicate. We try to find things, right? Like binge-watching Netflix, which is not necessarily the worst thing you could do, but it's still in your time if that's all you do, right? You can turn to alcohol, which can lead to alcoholism and lead to other things. You can turn to drugs. You can turn to all these different things because you're trying to, trying to just numb yourself and trying to escape what's going on. But notice all of those things are about ease and comfort. None of them are about strength. You know the people who have the six-packs now through COVID? We know what they were doing? They are doing sit-ups every single day. And the ones that got their arms a little bigger and lost weight, you know what they are doing? They are eating healthy and they are exercising. 
They chose the uncomfortable route so they can have something at the end better. It's a choice is ours. In fact, they tell us, you know, when we're going through some difficult, like, even as simple as, um, I've ever heard this acronym, HALT, H-A-L-T. Like, if you're ever, if you're ever um, making a major decision and you're hungry, you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired, like, just stop. Don't make that decision. If you're hungry, you're angry, you're lonely, tired, don't make major life decisions. If you're going to the store and you're hungry, just be careful because you're going to buy, like, three times as much as you need, right? Oreos. And you're going to buy all the stuff that are on the edge camps that they want you to buy because it looks so good. You, like, never eat those, but you're so hungry, you're like, I'll even eat that. And you buy it, and you take it home, and you like, I spent all this money, all this food that I don't even, this is not good for me. Why? Because we're hungry. We, make, we don't make good decisions when we're in those positions. So in this season, if you're ever angry, if you're ever lonely, if you're ever tired, you're ever hungry, just like calm down. Get some people in. What happens is when people try to medicate, we usually do it by ourselves. We have to push people that are healthy away from us so we can get alone. Or we look for people that are unhealthy so we can have somebody to be unhealthy with, and we get ourselves in situations. When we're in a dark valley and we don't trust the shepherd, we make really poor decisions. When we're in a dark valley and we're tired and we're all that, like Charles Spurgeon, that story could have went two ways. He could have succumbed to the challenges he had, and he could have just focused on that. Psychologists call it ruminating. Ruminating means you think about the problem over and over and over, but you never think about the solution. You only dwell on the problems. This is news, right? They give you all the problems all the time. It's like problem, 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 problem. Like, geez, we live in a problem-filled world. We do. They don't talk about solutions. We need to be the kind of people that say, God, what is the solution? What am I supposed to focus on? What can I do as opposed to what I can't do? I'm not going to blame others. I'm not going to just put my, my issues on other people. I'm going to say, God, what do you want to do in my life? So here's my challenge. All right? My challenge is this. Every single day this week, just do one hard thing. All right? So if, if hardship and struggle and challenges where we grow, do one hard thing. One of my mentors, John Maxwell, I've, for years I've read his books, a lot of his conferences and things like that, I've learned from him. And one of the things he says in his life, he calls it the rule of five. So every single day, he has five things that if he didn't do those five things, the day didn't happen. So he has five things. Typically, it's in the morning. He gets them done almost first thing. And he compares it like this. He says there's five things he does, right? It's prayer. It's reading. It's these different habits that he has every single day. And he says this is what happens. A lot of times people, they want to accomplish a lot in life, but they just don't know how to go about doing it. He compares it to like cutting down a tree. He said, if we had all these trees in our, in our lives that we really wanted to knock out and, 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 and conquer, he says, if you would go outside of that and get that axe, right, and you hit that tree, one, two, however many you have, three, maybe three is your thing, and then you go inside and continue the rest of your day, well, that day did the tree fall? Most likely not. The next day? Most likely not. He says, but if you do that day after day in a consistent basis of doing the hard things, of doing things that aren't always comfortable, always easy, eventually you know what's going to happen? That tree is going to fall, and the next tree is going to fall. And he looks back over 40 years, 50 years of ministry and, and writing books and all that. He says, you know how many trees I've knocked down over the course of my life? Hundreds, if not thousands. Not because he's great, not because of what he's doing. He just says because of the simple habit of saying, I'm going to do the hard thing every single day. I'm going to do one. So I would say for you, you have to pick one, maybe three, maybe five at the most. That if you could stay at night, you go to bed, you say, I did those five things. Man, it was a good day. Just simplify. Say, I'm going to be consistent in that. I would say one of those needs to be prayer, Bible study. Like if you would just be consistent, and you don't have to complicate it. You just say, God, what do you want to speak to me? You read the word, right? Psalm 23, you're reading it. God, what do you want to speak to me? You're a shepherd, right? Even when I walk through the dark valley, God, I want to pray that prayer now. God, even when I go through a difficult season, I know you're with me. And that your rod and your staff, hey, rod and staff means that the, the shepherd can protect you. 
Paul tells us in the New Testament that the weapons that God has destroy the weapons of the enemy. They're powerful to break down and to conquer. He's saying our shepherd is so strong, we shouldn't fear anything. Like, I don't have to fear anything. When David goes against Goliath, he's saying, God is my shepherd. He's going to protect me. He's going to watch me. I don't have to fear the giants. I don't have to fear the enemy because God is with me. You know, we get the scripture and we let God lead us. We have the courage and the strength that he wants us to have. So this week, don't run from the heart because that's where we grow the most. Do one thing every single day that's hard. Maybe it's a conversation that you've been putting off. Maybe it's a healthy diet that you've been knowing you need to do. Because in COVID, we focus on the physical so much. There's also mental. There's also emotional. There's also financial. And there's also relational health that we need to also be aware of. So what is that thing you can start doing? Every single day, one thing. Maybe it's a few things. You say, I'm going to do this consistently. God, you're my shepherd. You lead me. What is that thing that you want me to do that I'm not doing? When I get off the path, God, lead me back on it. Because he's a good shepherd that knows where the path leads. And if we'll trust him, to get us in the right place to be able to have the things he wants us to have and accomplish. You with me? Awesome. Hey, close your eyes and bow your head today as we end. If you're here today and or you're watching and you're not following the Good Shepherd, you'll be doing your own thing, you'll be going on your own path. Like Isaiah says, all of us like sheep have gone astray, we're doing our own thing. Maybe that's you and today you're, you would say, you know what, I want to get back on the path. I need God's help. I've been overwhelmed, overcome by the dark valley, the season I'm in. I need God to help me and encourage me. If that's you today, would you do me a favor? Just lift your hand right there where you're at. I won't call you to the front. Just leave you in a prayer right there in your seat. Awesome. Anybody else? If you're watching online and you're in that place, I'd love to lead you in prayer saying, God, forgive me. Help me to lead me on this journey. I feel that that raised your hand. Would you uh, just say this prayer with me? And if you're in the room, would you pray with, with us so that those that raise their hand are not praying alone? Say this. Say, Father God, today I say yes to you. Forgive me of my mistakes, of my sin, of my choices that have led me away from you. Forgive me for avoiding the hard, for focusing on the wrong things. Today I say yes to you. Lead me and guide me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on that cross to show us a better way to live and he conquered death in the grave and he's alive today ready to help come into my life give me a new start I put my trust in you in Jesus name I pray Amen Amen Can we celebrate those that prayed in, in here and then I was on TV on the Can I pray for you guys one more time in this room? Just pray for you guys. God, thank you for those in this room today. God, those that are watching online. But all those that are in the dark season, that are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. God, those that have been facing something for a while. God, I pray that you would just shoot adrenaline into their souls. God, they would be encouraged to keep going. God, that when they find themselves in a difficult spot, they don't stop. They don't camp out, but they keep moving. Even if it's just one step. God, give them strength to take that next step. Keep moving forward, God. Help us, Lord God, to use this season to grow, to get better. God, use us, Father God, to bring more of you to this world. I pray for those in this room, God, healing and peace in every aspect of their life, Lord. Physical, mental, emotional, relational, financial, God, vocational, every part. You work in our lives, God. Lead us and guide us.
We love you and bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.